the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To properly appreciate the beauty and facets of a diamond, you need a black backdrop. The Apostle Paul knows the same is true spiritually speaking. So that is why we head to where we're going next in Romans. Join us. I'm Reformed Heritage Church right here in San Jose. Hi there and welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Today, he takes us back to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32. To really appreciate the beauty and glory of the gospel, we need to understand what the gospel is doing. It is saving us from sin, the darkness of our foolish hearts. That's what we're looking at today. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Dads, have you ever tried to teach your son something? Perhaps how to use a saw or how to hammer a nail into a board. And they take a couple of swings and say, okay, I understand it now, Dad. But whammo! On the next swing, they smash their thumbs or worse, they cut themselves with a saw. You might say, well, they need to learn. That's fine when you're hammering a nail and stuff. But when you're dealing with your immortal soul, you are playing with poison, my friends. Because just because we know a few little processes and can understand a few little things about technology and sophisticated computers, without the knowledge of God, we have nothing. And we neither understand the goal or the purpose for why God gave us all these things. And if all this wasn't bad enough, we do something different. One last thing. Now, boy, before I tell you what this is, understand the flow here. God has revealed himself in nature. In every fact of the universe, God says, I'm here. It is mine. I have done it. We say, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to live in a universe where every fact is already known by God, interpreted by God, fully defined by God, controlled by God, and regulated by God. After all, that would leave me with no place, says the sinner, except to be a humble learner in his school. So we develop mechanistic views of the universe and of history, all in an attempt to escape God that we know truly exists, and then it haunts us. So we have become vain in our darkness. We push aside the truth as far as we can. We don't want to listen to it. We don't want to be reminded of our, of our accountability to God. And then someone has the idea, hey, let's do one thing. Let's define God. Instead of us being made in God's image, let's take God and remake him into our own image, an image we are comfortable with. Maybe it will be a falcon, maybe a grasshopper, 
maybe a bull. That has been a favorite one throughout history. No, no, really, today, those are kind of primitive. In our day, let's make it our technologies, or our state, or our possessions, or just me. Let's see what happens when men follow this blind trail. God is no longer allowed to define himself. We define him. But we have forgotten something. We are the defined, not the definers. We are the creatures, not the creator. We are the image bearers, not the image makers. Have you ever wondered why is there so much church migration today? This isn't true across the board, but I can guarantee it is true in a lot of places today. I don't like the God that preacher preaches about. Because when we boil it all down, why do we go to church? Well, some people go for social aspects. Yes, but there are other social outlets, right? Well, it is because at some level the church we choose is a reflection of the God we worship in our voluntary system. We have to be very careful that even in the church, we don't let the plague come into our hearts. Well, I don't like this aspect of God, so I'm going to redefine him. We then become the ultimate idolaters, Paul says. Once we close our eyes to the revelation that God has given of himself just in nature, we haven't gotten to the gospel yet, you see. We make him to be the God we feel comfortable with. Now let's apply these truths to ourselves for just a few minutes. Individually, we must all come to grips with the fact that I am under God's wrath unless he gives me mercy and grace through Jesus. And wrath is not, well, God is angry in general, but I'm in that category of people who says who he's not even really mad at because I'm basically a good person. Have you ever sinned once? Just once. Have you ever thought of sinning once? The problem is, is we have all sinned millions upon millions of times. We have all offended His holiness over and over and over and over again. If nothing else, we just love ourselves. We are so selfish and so self-absorbed. The wrath is not just for those really bad people that God hates. No, no, he hates me in my sin. He is angry with the wicked every day, he says, and I'm wicked until he comes and washes me in the blood of his son and gives me righteousness from him, which means for us as individuals, we're right back to John who said, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Have you fled from it? Because if you have not fled from it, straight into the arms of Jesus Christ, that wrath will fall upon you, just like it will fall upon me. Because we have sinned, and we have revolted against God. We have insulated His, I'm sorry, insulted His majesty. And we have not, with every sunrise, thanked him for his ordering of the world. We have not with every rainstorm praised him for his provision. 
How many times have we prayed over our meals with just, God is good, God is great, let us thank Him for our food, amen. That's about how most of us pray instead of recognize this meal came from the hand of God to feed me. I live at his cost. I live at his expense. And my prayer needs to be offered sincerely because I do not have anything but what he is pleased to give me. And if I need any proof, I just need to remember when I was born. Do I remember it? Do I remember any food that I was given? No. But there was a breast there to feed me when I could not do anything for myself. There were arms to carry me when I could not do anything for myself. Had I been left for a day or two, I would have been dead. And yet God took care of me. You see, we don't need to look at life this way. We look at it in terms of mechanics. We look at it in terms of, well, of course, these things happen instead of saying, God did this. And that's why his wrath falls upon us when we sin. And that is why we must believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why Paul begins Romans the way he does. Deal honestly with your sin. And that will lead you to Christ. Let me ask you a question. And I include myself in this. Have we dealt honestly with our sins? Sin is not, well, you know, this is a family trait. Sin is not, well, I have a few piccadillies, but I'm better than most. My sins, you fill in the blank with yours. My sins, one of them, I don't even have to go down that list very far for just one. I can guarantee that everyone in this room can think of one that stands out in your mind. I have sinned, and it was horrible. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have gone there. That one sin, unless it is covered in the blood of Christ, will consign you to judgment forever, and it will be a just punishment. God is not going to just sit there and scream at us. One look at his holiness and you will agree with him when you stand before him and say, I deserve hell forever. I did not worship such a majestic and holy God. I did not give myself to him. I didn't love him. I didn't serve him. And yet he gave me a multitude of testimonies to his goodness every day. And my heart was hard and I wanted the life to be about me. You have to deal honestly with your sin. Sometimes God actually makes us. Any one of you right now, any one of you right now, going through a season of, this sin has just got me by the scruff of the neck, and it will not let me go. Maybe for some of you men, it's lust. Maybe it's worrying about your job. Maybe you're not trusting the Lord. Maybe it's covetousness. I think most of us struggle a bit with that, just not being content with what I have right now, which really is all I need, because that is what God has been fit to give me. Do you ever wonder, why does God let even his people languish in their sin for a while, sometimes for a long while, so that we have psalms like Psalm 51, 
so that when David is brought back to his senses and realizes all the scuff, good stuff I did, it doesn't matter. All that stuff is from God's grace. The fact of the matter is, in this situation, I wanted another man's wife. And I committed adultery. I murdered her husband. And what does David do when he is brought before God for his sin? He doesn't blame other people. He doesn't compare himself to others. He's not saying, well, Bathsheba did this. She shouldn't have come when I called out to her. He says what? Against you and you alone have I sinned. Listen, you better come to that now in this life. Because you will be brought to it before the judgment seat of God. And it will be too late to come at that point then. Too late. Come to it now. Why? To have mercy. To have forgiveness. To have what David prayed in Psalm 51. Give me the joy of your Holy Spirit. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation so I can tell other sinners how wonderful your mercy is. David says, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts. Beloved, are you telling the truth about yourself before God? Think of your prayers this week. Lord, I prayed for so-and-so. Lord, make my children better. Lord, please help my wife stop being such a thorn in my side. Lord, please help my husband to be more sensitive to me because I deserve a more sensitive, sensitive husband. Are those our prayers? Any Greek could have prayed to Zeus in that fashion. The foundation of right prayer is when we stop looking at other people and ourselves and the deficiencies and we bring our own conscience before the Holy God and say, Father, I have sinned against you, not once, but a multitude of times. And as a believer, I am thankful for your mercy. But that doesn't make the sin any less grievous, does it? I need to keep coming back to Christ. I need to keep seeking forgiveness over and over. I need to hold the cross as the loveliest thing and the resurrected Savior because I so feel my sinfulness and I'm trying to deal with it honestly. Author G.K. Chesterton asked the famous question, what is wrong with the world? How do you think he answered? I am. Have you ever noticed in every election cycle that it is everyone else's fault? It's all Trump's fault, right? Says Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, Schiff, Waters, AOC. Everything is someone else's fault. We haven't moved very far away from the Garden of Eden, have we? It is someone else's fault. Here is the spirit that says it's my fault. I have sinned against Almighty God. My marriage looks the way it does because of me. My parent-child relationships look the way they do because of me. My finances look the way they do because of me. It is me. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now you might be saying, I don't want to go through that. Well, I don't either. But let me tell you something. You will never have peace unless you do go through that. You will never have solid, satisfying, happy views of Christ because you see to get to the end of the chapter and all the way to chapter 8, verse 1, that magnificent Magna Carta of the Christian faith, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
We should all just flock to that, but we can't until we take the first step. And what is the first step? I have sinned. I am under condemnation. Hell is gaping before me. And Paul was writing this to believers. He wanted them to feel this, to understand this, so that they would never stray from the gospel. Why? Because the moment I stray from the gospel, even a little bit, I start robbing me of peace. I start robbing God of his glory. I start forgetting my need of grace and strength, which is where holiness of life comes from. And more peace and more joy and more happiness and more power. So don't stray from this, says the apostle. I'm going to write a long section on it because unless you are honest with yourself, you will, and with yourself, you will not flee to the Lord Jesus Christ from that wrath to come. And with him there is abundant mercy. Christ said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. I know why you are heavy laden. I know why there is sorrow and broken relationships and death and disease and crippledness and meanness and political tyranny. I know why there are all these things. And I will take the curse upon myself. For I have died upon the cross so that everyone who looks to me will be cleansed from his sorrow, healed from his crippledness, and get his eyesight back. Yeah, I know you spiritually gouged out your eyes because you didn't want to know the truth about God and you wanted to know, didn't want to know the truth about yourself. Christ says, but I'm going to put your eyes back in so that when you see the Father's holiness, you can look at his right hand And see me, for I am the holy servant, and I will give you righteousness. So look to me. I know I've gone a little bit long today, but I really feel I need to make one more application. Please bear with me. Our nation. hmm. The Romans lived in very bleak times. I told you the Roman historian Suetonius said, Rome is the sewer in which everything preserves flows into and flows out of. You know, most of the rest of the world does not like us. Not because we have a wonderful way of life that's working out for everyone, but because they don't want our decadence. They don't want our baby death camps. They don't want our pornography. They don't want our filth. In the name of God and freedom. Because even unbelievers can see our hypocrisy. Our nation stands precariously posed. I'm not a prophet. I don't know when. And I'm not trying to scare anyone per se. But understand, the United States of America, for most of its history, has looked down at examples like Africa. Drought-ridden, downturned impoverished what have we had and regardless of what your political views are we have had fruitful harvests we have been able to feed not just ourselves but a major part of the world we have liberty so that we can worship God according to our own conscience pretty much anyway and come as we have wanted and come and gone as we have wanted to I mean, you talk about what Paul said in Acts fourteen seventeen. God has not left himself without a witness. He has given us a lot of witnesses here. 
that say it is God's power and God's witness that is blessing you as a nation. It's not your systems. Many of them are corrupt. It's not your leaders in your political parties. Pretty much all of them are corrupt. It is not your... It is, it is most of, of all of these things are corrupt. It is because God is good and he loves his people who are here. And he doesn't want anyone in this particular country to ever say, we didn't have a witness to the goodness of God. Now, what do we do when we despise that witness? I haven't really heard any national leaders calling for repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God and Savior of sinners. Have you? I have not heard anyone say, you know, one of the reasons that we are now beginning to struggle with our crops, with droughts in the breadbasket, is because we have turned away from God. I have not heard anyone say, you know, maybe one of the reasons we have so many bizarre diseases in this country and psychosis galore and so many people on medications who are in the prime of their life and maybe one of the reasons why the more billions we pour into the educational system and the more ignorant the product becomes is because maybe we're going in the wrong direction. Maybe our Creator God is saying, I've given my witness to you long enough and you have not bowed down to me. You have not kissed my son who reigns at my right hand. You have not confessed your national sins. So now I'm going to make you look like desolated Africa. Now, I'm going to make your cities look like tribal zones from other parts of the world that you used to laugh at and say, oh, well, this is America. Things can't happen here like that. Oh, yes, they can. I'm going to sell your young girls into prostitution. I'm going to affect your young men with bizarre cancers. I'm going to put the noose of tyranny around your neck and put cameras everywhere and a whole host of laws that make your life a living hell because you did not witness, wit, listen to my witness. Even though you knew me, you denied me, and you suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. You became vain in your own imagination. You professed yourself to have become wise and you have become a nation of fools. The only hope for this nation, the only hope, no one else even has anything to say on the subject. So please don't listen to anyone who uses the word hope that does not immediately use the words Jesus Christ, repentance, and the gospel because they are liars and they will compound the darkness. What is the hope? You have it. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, it doesn't care what political party you are affiliated with. There's only one answer, and that is we need the gospel. We must come to the Lamb and beg His forgiveness that we have revolted against His word. We have spit on His cross. But Jesus has taken our stripes upon His back, and He will show us mercy. Just repent, beloved. So we must repent, cling to Jesus and his word, live for his glory, and he will set each one of us and our nation free from the condemnation we so deserve. Let us not forget mercy. Let us remember at what cost mercy. 
It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And if you have tasted of God's mercy, it ought to ever give you joy. Look at the condemnation we have been delivered from. We have been cleansed from the wrath we so deserve. Oh, praise be to our glorious God. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.